And welcome to the Bucket Problem Premium Show. This would normally be a Meet at Midfield subscriber-only edition, but it's free week, so this is on the main feed as well, and uh, hopefully this will entice you to sign up. Meetatmidfield.com is the place. The promo code to get 5% off your subscription is extra, thanks to a little partnership with Matt Brown over at Extra Points uh, and his uh, excellent newsletter overlooking the... uh, kind of bigger picture happenings of college uh, football and college athletics as a whole, um, kind of from an an administrative perspective that uh, you don't get in many other places. Um, I am going to dive into a mailbag for this show. First, though, I kind of have to start with uh, what I announced this week, which is, uh, if you missed my post on Twitter or um, on the Meet of Midfield message board or the intro to one of my posts this week, don't remember which one, um, my health has reached a point where I am going to stop working at the end of this football season. And this was an extremely difficult decision to make and certainly not one that I at all anticipated making when I joined up to do this project. I have been doing this for so long that the idea of not doing it has kind of not occurred to me until quite recently. Um, Even when I took extended time off to take care of my health, it was always with an eye on coming back to work and supporting myself, uh, in part because that is what I had to do without circumstances getting pretty dire. Um, That's no longer the case for me, and I'm fortunate enough to be in a place where things are a little more stable. Um, I'm in a great loving relationship with somebody who is willing to support me in this, and I can no longer continue to put myself in this cycle of of pushing myself to work full-time and meeting deadline after deadline with um, seasons that do not change to accommodate my health um, when there's a feasible way to to live otherwise. And I have reached the point where I am functionally housebound and having to really sacrifice a lot uh, to keep working. Um, my best friend is getting married in November, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it. Um, there are a number of things, big and small, like that that have come up, and... I I want to be able to turn my focus towards things that are really, truly important. And I love what I do. I love following sports, watching sports, writing about sports. This has always been a, a labor of love. It's also still labor. And I am uh, at a point where I, I kind of needed to choose between work and everything else. And... um. I am deeply, deeply thankful to be in a place where um, I have the support to do this. I have the ability to do this. I'm making the choice on my own terms. I have the love and support of my family, uh, my partner, my friends, my coworkers. Um, And that's what it takes to, to be able to manage this the right way. And I'm incredibly lucky to be able to to make this choice and to 
and to do it in a way where I'm not waiting until things get really dire on my end. Um, and I also, before I get on to this mailbag, I just want to thank everybody who has reached out. Um, I've gotten a lot of messages on Twitter, uh, a lot of mentions, a lot of DMs, um, some texts, uh, heard from a lot of people and every bit of it has, has really meant a lot. Um, and, um, made it easier to handle making a decision of this gravity. Um, I don't think I'm going to disappear from sight by any means, but I am going to, you know, kind of see where things go from here. And, uh, I don't know what life after work looks like because I haven't been able to really experience that level of freedom and also balance it with the limitations of my illness. And I won't know what that looks like until I get into it, but I am ready for the next stage and at peace with this decision. And I I cannot say enough how much I appreciate everybody who's um, read along, listened along, um, interacted with me on Twitter, in the comments of wherever I was writing, um, from Emco blog to the bucket problem to me in midfield, uh, you know, this is this is a great community that um, has kind of that I've been able to be a part of, and that's carried me as much as anything through. Uh, a lot of pretty difficult times and made it possible for me to make this move now. So thank you. Um, and with that, I'm going to try to <laughs> change gears, lighten the mood a little bit. And uh, I, I've still got a football season to cover and I'm still uh, pretty damn excited about it because I think uh, this is a pretty damn good team. So uh, I'm going to start with a question from M. Adler 9 on the uh, Meet Midfield message boards. Um, how concerned about the linebackers are you? Is there anything to do other than hope Colson gets better and or Nakai Hill Green comes back? I am definitely concerned. Uh, <laughs> Junior Colson has not taken as much of a step forward as I would have anticipated, and Nakai Hill Green's absence has definitely been felt a fair amount. I do think there are... Some things that they can do to level things out a little bit. I um, Michigan has been trying to make Khalil Mullings work. It has not really been working. Um, they've even tried a little bit of Jimmy Rolder because I think they're trying to just find some depth at linebacker while they're facing offenses they can afford to uh, mess around with the rotations against a little bit. And uh, that's come at the expense of snaps from Michael Barrett, who's... A senior, he's been on the field a lot. Uh, he's bulked up to the point where I'm not concerned about his size. At inside linebacker, he's excellent in space, and you know maybe he won't be the the best guy at sticking his nose in there against uh, um, a power running team. But I don't know if you've looked at the schedule. Uh, Michigan just crossed one of those off, and the the ones that are left are not exactly frightening. So um, I mean. I, th- I think Barrett can can hold his own out there. I would like to see Junior Colson play better, but um, in terms of overall concern, I do think that they're going to continue to be the weak point of the Michigan defense. Um, but if you're going to have a weak spot on defense, uh, you'd much rather have it be at the second level than at the first level or the back end. Um, just kind of how it works. 
Um, and if you need evidence of that, look at Ohio State being able to dominate the Big Ten while uh, not being able to field a decent linebacker group for a little while. Uh, speaking of which, uh, the next question comes from at Morpete on Twitter. Which team not called Ohio State is best poised to take advantage of Michigan's troubling linebacker room? Uh, I am leaning towards Penn State for this one because, uh, first of all, we are running out of offenses that worry me <laughs> um, and teams that worry me in general. And second of all, um, they have some pretty talented running backs led by freshman five-star Nick Singleton where if they get to that second level clean, they are quite capable of making linebackers miss, uh, putting linebackers in the wrong gaps, and breaking some big plays because it's going to be hard to take them down as defensive backs, uh, especially if they've got a full head of steam. So uh, you've also got Sean Clifford, who's an experienced quarterback and can move around a little bit, and that uh, that puts him in the very upper tier of quarterbacks Michigan faces until C.J. Stroud. Oh, God. Schedule is so bleak this year. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's Penn State. Um, because uh, they have talent on offense is the short answer. Um, next one comes from at Third Party Internet on Twitter. Why should I not be worried about getting screened to death in a 60-minute butt clench game this weekend? And what key defensive concepts should I study to stop worrying in the future? Uh, I've got good news for you. You don't need to study defensive concepts this week because um, uh, Indiana's bad. <laughs> like th this just isn't going to be a close game uh, so that part not going to be super worrisome in general I would suggest approaching things this way the Don Brown strategy of like limiting your opponents to absolutely nothing uh, and refusing to seed crown and attempting to hold them to as little yardage as possible is just not the optimal way to play defense these days. And that does mean you get some more annoying games or annoying drives, but you are more likely to turn the other team over and you are less likely to give up a series of backbreaking big plays against teams like, oh, I don't know, Ohio State, the one we're actually worried about this year. Um, somehow, some, somewhere in that rant, I turned on Siri. Um, so if you heard that, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, like there has not been a point this season when I have been at all concerned about Michigan's chances to win the game. And that's all I ask out of a defense. Michigan is clearly, first of all, I think they're playing screens pretty well. I'm not, uh, I haven't looked up the stats on it, but I think, I think Michigan's done a pretty good job of tackling and they've been caught a couple times, but getting caught by screens is just going to happen. If you call a blitz, you're at risk of getting caught by a screen. That is how it works. And unless you want the team to never blitz, which I do not think is uh, the solution anybody's asking for here, then uh, occasionally annoying plays are going to happen. That's that's just the nature of football. Um, so I don't know. I, th I think my answer to this is actually uh, marijuana. Smoke marijuana before watching football. You will chill out. You will not worry about that play, possibly because you forgot it happened right after you watched it. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, it, it's, it, like, I I'm I was totally fine with, like, Michigan's approach against Iowa where, yes, there were, I mean, first of all, Spencer Peters hit a couple throws where he had uh, mild out-of-body experiences, especially that uh, that throw up the seam to their uh, number two tight end 
Um, but giving up some some screens to those guys um, also came with the benefit of pressuring Spencer Petras on something like a third of his dropbacks. And uh, yeah, that I think uh, I think was very much a net benefit for Michigan, uh, especially when you also add in uh, how much they limited the run game. So it's football. Uh, in 2022, things are slanted towards the offense. You have to be vulnerable to something. If that's something for Michigan is screen passes, then they have chosen one of the least dangerous things uh, in terms of it's, it's not getting pounded to death in the run game and it's not letting big plays uh, hit you over the top or short plays turning into big plays. And uh, that final one was the Achilles heel of Don Brown's scheme, which otherwise did, I will admit, an incredible job of limiting anything below good offenses. And that was very fun. Shutting out teams is fun. I am not going to deny that, but it's just something that in modern football is um, something you appreciate when it comes, but not necessarily a thing that you aspire to build your defense around, if that makes sense. This is a similar question from at Kurigan on Twitter, flipping to the other side of the ball. What is an element missing from our offense thus far that would get more of our wide receiver talent involved? I know there's been a lot of taking what the defenses give us, but I am anxious about not getting those folks more targets. I think the answer to this is just playing more good teams. Uh, Michigan played three of the 10 worst teams in the country through uh, three weeks. Um, UConn may have slipped out of that. I'm not going to open up SP plus to check if they are no longer in the bottom 10, but uh, um, they are still quite bad. And, uh, then they played two relatively limited opponents where they were able to play pretty conservatively. And Michigan was also a couple of better placed deep balls away from having very explosive, if uh, you know, relatively low volume passing performances in those games. So Michigan is going to have to pass the ball more when they get into closer games against better teams and also games where they know that they are going to have to do something more than just lean on the running game and the defense to pretty much guarantee a victory. And against all five teams they've played thus far, that's that's been, I think, the right call to make. Iowa is never going to beat Michigan unless Michigan beat themselves. And with Blake Corum running as well as he was, there was no need to put the ball in the air unless there were easy yards for the taking. And Michigan still almost hit a shot. They should have hit a shot over the top in that one. Um, and Maryland Maryland was a similar similar game um, for different reasons. Uh, as I uh, mentioned on last week's podcast, Maryland and Iowa, two, two uh, exceptionally different football programs. But when you uh, when it comes out in the wash, uh, I guess similar quality. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think... Michigan has had a, the right approach so far, and I think the receiver talent will shine more as Michigan just gets into games against better teams, which will will eventually happen. Uh, <laughs> this weekend, I'm not sure if this is going to be the weekend, although Indiana's defense has been better against the run against the, than against the pass. Uh, this is a relative thing, but uh, yeah. Um, Michigan might see if they can take advantage of... Uh, Nebraska was hitting shots over the top against Indiana. And when Nebraska's doing that, Michigan uh, probably saw that film and went, uh, hello. Um, so I, I expect we'll we'll see them get a little bit more involved. 
and then Penn State will probably see the first like aggressive offensive game plan that we have seen so far this year, uh, at least relative to what we have seen so far this season. This should be a quick one from at FM American on Twitter. Will Michigan play a game for the rest of the season in a time slot that isn't the big noon kickoff? Yes, uh, in approximately uh, three weeks against Michigan State, that one seems destined to be a night kickoff. Um, and I would also be surprised if they made Michigan play uh, in the big noon slot five times in a row. Fox is eventually going to want a little bit a variety there. Uh, maybe not a lot. Michigan is great at drawing eyeballs, and Fox has has that pick of, of games in the pecking order, but um, Michigan State does seem like it is it is hurtling towards a night game um, unless uh, somebody steps in and stops it. Uh, next question comes from a uh, good friend uh, at Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter. Um, that is that is Ryan Nanny of the Shutdown Fullcast. Appreciate you uh, <laughs> interacting with the plebs. Um, what is the wrongest you've ever been about a non-Michigan coaching hire in either direction? Um, this immediately prompted uh, a response from Alex Cook, keeping me honest, saying that, uh, you know, uh, Scott Frost is a pretty obvious answer here. I certainly thought he was going to be a hell of a lot more successful than he was. Um uh, but uh, along those same lines, we don't even have to leave the school. Uh, Fred Hoiberg uh, for the basketball team, I thought would be able to do an Iowa State-like uh, turnaround of that basketball program. And I don't know what's going on, but that has not taken off at all. Uh, they just seem to be stuck in the part where they uh, turn over all like almost the entire roster every year and are not good uh, and don't get to the part where they then uh, uh, build a team and get good. Um, so yeah, the, the Hoiberg model has not, has not sustained very well. Maybe it's because more teams are using the transfer portal, but there's, there's just something that's not working there. Um, and this one, uh, my, my final answer here, which is relevant to this weekend is, uh, I, I was trying to figure out my answer to this question and I just, uh, Twitter searched my own, my own handle and, uh, and coaches, um, or higher, and um, eventually came upon uh, a quote tweet um, that I did. Uh, the original tweet is from uh, Manuel Excel at Colin TJ on Twitter, uh, listing uh, Big Ten coaches Michigan could plausibly hire that I'd be totally fine with power rank. One, Jim Leonard. Two, Jeff Brom. Three, Tom Allen. That, that was uh, Colin's tweet. This was in November of 2020 when uh, we wanted to fire Jim Harbaugh. Um, and I quote tweeted this and said, I think I'd invert this list, which means I'd put Tom Allen number one and new Wisconsin head coach Jim Leonard uh, third out of this. And while I, I by no means would want any of these guys to be head coach over Jim Harbaugh right now, um, uh, at least the unknown of Jim Leonard is better than the known of Tom Allen at this point. I don't know what else to say. I was very, very wrong on that. I believed in a COVID year, and I ignored the fact. And I should have known better because that man hired Mike DeBoard and Nick Sheridan to coach his offense. I should have known so much better, especially since Nick Sheridan had already been there a season by that point. And you could start to see the signs uh, that he was a DeBoard disciple. But, uh, yeah. Um, 
especially since I should have known better. Uh, I should have known that the Tom Allen Indiana turnaround would not last. And uh, I think uh, as we are going to see firsthand this weekend, uh, it's not. It's not going to last. Um, and the only thing that is going to make Tom Allen's tenure last is that uh, he very smartly renegotiated his contract after that remarkable uh, 2020 COVID season where they were still kind of um, riding high off Kalen DeBoer's offense even after he'd left to take the head coaching job at Fresno State. And uh, Michael Penix, you know, could run that offense quite well before, he, you know, injuries uh, ruined 2021 for him and also being coached by Nick Sheridan. Uh, and it was also just an extremely strange year uh, where Michigan was exceptionally bad and Indiana was very good and uh, nothing made sense. Um, and we were all inside. Um, so yeah, I, I probably should have known better than to believe that, uh, that season. Um, I really like this next one, uh, from at 08 MMS on Twitter. If Michigan had to play the remainder of this year's schedule at neutral sites, where would you schedule them with the caveat? No repeats, uh, which I stuck to, um, I, I tried to tailor these to opponents a little bit. I, I mean, I still did the list of just like the stadiums I would want to go for, to uh, for the most part. You'll you'll hear it when I get to it. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, you know, I tried as best I could to match them to an appropriate opponent. Um, this first one is purely just because I would want to do this um, and, and go to this game. Uh, first one is Husky Stadium at Washington. Michigan fans have missed the opportunity uh, because of the pandemic to go and tailgate in a boat. And that sounds fucking awesome. So um, either move the Indiana game to later on in the day or fuck it, just have it at 9 a.m. local time because at least, you know, the teams will be at noon on their body clock. So who cares? Uh, get up at six, tailgate uh, tailgate in the morning, uh, tailgate at the crack of dawn in the water. Sounds sounds tremendous. And then get back in after the game's over. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I think going to Husky Stadium would be very cool. Um, I'm also assuming that uh, I am going to every single one of these games via private jet, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, while, while we're dreaming. Um, game after that, uh, uh, Tiger Stadium, Louisiana State. I want to, first of all, extremely cool-looking stadium. It just has a hell of an atmosphere, and I would I would try to make that a night game, obviously, because you got to make it a night game. And that's Penn State week. Um, I know that's already been scheduled for a big noon Saturday game, but again, we're doing hypotheticals here. And uh, I don't know. I've had a bad experience with a night game at Penn State, and I'd want to get revenge in a really cool night environment. And uh, yeah, uh, LSU certainly has one. And uh, also here, they're uh, rather enthusiastic tailgaters. So that would be fun. Um, <laughs> third one, the Rose Bowl uh, for... I mean, obvious reasons. It's it's the fucking Rose Bowl. Of course, you want to go there. Three uh, thirty game. Obviously, watch the sunset. Um, you know, do it do it like they do the actual Rose Bowl. And this happens to be the game when Michigan plays Michigan State. So um, for probably the last time in a while, Michigan State will be able to play in the Rose Bowl um, until uh, UCLA comes and joins the conference. Next one, Outson Stadium. Uh, that's University of Oregon. 
Uh, we're dragging Rutgers out there uh, to just totally fuck with their body clocks, I guess, going coast to coast. Um, and, uh, do, yeah, just making them take a real, real long flight to, to make them remember that they do not belong in this conference. But out's in uh, just a notoriously loud stadium because it is not very big. And it is built in a way that holds sound in. And, uh, you know, I was, I don't know, I, I guess I was drawn to a few different Pac-12 12 stadiums. Um, even considered, like, I've, I've been, I've walked by uh, UC Berkeley Stadium, Cal Stadium. And it's it's built into the side of a mountain, basically. It looks really cool. But it's also run down because Cal puts no money into their facilities. So, um going to go with Outson because, uh, uh, you know, they got that Nike money. So they've, they've probably kept things pretty nice. Um, oh, I guess I, I guess I tailored a couple of these a little meaner than, uh, yeah. Okay. Next one, Nebraska, uh, the Nebraska game, uh, you know, there's a stadium that I've wanted to, to go to, um, that where the fans are supposed to be great. I have no concern about Michigan losing to Nebraska in any setting. So Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, God, I said that with the, the hardest fucking Midwest accent. I almost want to go back and delete that. Uh, yikes. Uh, Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the joke. That's the joke. Played them at their home stadium. But they do have a cool one. Um, for Illinois, this is the the one where I reached outside the college sphere. And uh, I, I want them... You know, you know, Michigan Illinois is a is an old school classic matchup. It's a matchup that you look at late in the year and you go, I want to see this played in the snow. Um, I want to see this played. You know, this almost is going to feel like an NFL game. It's going to be ugly. You want to hold it in a classic stadium. You want to play it on a grass field. You want to hold it somewhere with history. You want to hold it somewhere old. So of course, you hold it at Lambeau Field. <laughs> And finally, for Ohio State, uh, this is the one I most specifically tailored to an opponent. I am sorry for this. I am so fucking sorry for this. But uh, it's been a week. Just bear bear with me. Um, for Ohio State, you know, after last year, when they were so just uh, shook by the elements and and unable to really deal with just the daunting, daunting task of uh, playing at Michigan Stadium. Um, I've chosen McAfee Field, home of Finlandia University's soccer, uh, both men's and women's and football teams. Um, it is also home to the Hancock Central High School varsity and JV football teams. It currently features a lighted progress artificial turf playing surface and a state-of-the-art Dactronics LED video scoreboard. Um, no pets are allowed inside the fenced area, speaking of which... Um, I have not been able to find a capacity because I, I, I don't think they list one. Um, I do not see bleachers on the far side of the field. Uh, and I'm not I'm not quite sure about the deer side of the field either. I, I think this might just be uh, a stand and hang out uh, kind of a situation. The field is also available for rent. Um uh, uh, $40 per hour for the field only. If you also want access to the press box, it's $60 per hour. Lighting the field is an additional $20 per hour. Um, and if you want to host your high school football or soccer game there, it's $300 or 25% of the gate, whichever is greater. So uh, set those prices uh, with that in mind. 
But the real le- reason I am doing this is because Finlandia University in Hancock, Michigan, is the northernmost point that you can get and play in a football stadium in the state of Michigan. So we are, uh, I mean, damn near, damn, damn near in Canada, up in the UP, way, way up in the UP. We are just a little bit west of Houghton, Houghton, Michigan, sorry. Um, And yeah, uh, we're right by... We're right by Portage Lake. You you can practically see the lake from the field. It's only a couple blocks away. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a Family Dollar and a Pat's Foods nearby. Um, there's a Gino's Restaurant and Cocktail Lounge and uh, Gemignani's Italian. Uh, I'm sure both uh, tremendously authentic and delicious. Um, yeah, I mean, I, this feels like you know, the place to drag Ohio State. Let, let's take him as far north as we can. Uh, almost every picture uh, on the, like, Google's result for McAfee Field features some snow on the field and a significant amount of snow shoveled to the side of the field. Also, just a lot of people ambling around the side of the field. I still cannot find bleachers. Um and yes, that there is a, a, a nicely sized uh, uh, scoreboard with, uh, you know, uh, they don't even have the uh, what appears, appears to be a very old school screen <laughs> um, uh, on anything in that. But uh, yeah, um, I think this is the place. Oh, my goodness. They have a gorgeous sunset there. Yeah, no, we're definitely going there. Um, yes, McAfee Field, uh, Finlandia University. Hancock, Michigan. We're we're headed north. All right, uh, two more, and then we're out of here. Uh, it, I promise uh, it'll be quick. Uh, the year is 2030. Who is the funniest team to not yet appear in the 12-team college football playoff? That is from at Cr Seeger. Uh, one answer popped in my mind uh, when I read this, and I feel no need to revise it. It's Texas A&M. It's got to be. Um, with the amount that they are paying Jimbo Fisher, uh, either either oil needs to start doing real well or they are locked into that until, like, 2028. Uh, just imagine it's, it's just going to be a, a slow and horrible decline because this man is not going to change anything. He has not changed his offense. He has no need to change his offense. If you looked at that buyout, he's not going anywhere. Um, so it's going to be Texas A&M who convinced themselves that Moving to the SEC was going to allow them to surpass Texas, and maybe that's happened, but only because of Texas. Um, and Texas is also following them, and, I mean, neither of them are going to make it, so pick a Texas team, because uh, uh, both those cases are going to be extremely funny. Uh, the final question is a, is another one along these lines. It comes from at underscore Sowers, um, which is funnier. Urban to Wisconsin or urban to Nebraska? Oof. Um, <laughs> I, I think Wisconsin has a better foundation to actually like uh, create a winning football team. I, I do think at this point, Urban Meyer is probably a disaster no matter where he goes, unless there's already a, a pretty good foundation in place where he can just take it and win because that man is not going to want to build. And um, he doesn't seem like he has much patience after uh, – 
kicking a kicker, among other things, in Jacksonville. Um, and, uh, you know, we've seen him take time off before. It did not chill him out. Um, so uh, I will I will say Urban to Nebraska because, obviously, the funniest outcome is him uh, flailing around and failing miserably. And Urban in Nebraska with nothing to do, I just I cannot imagine that goes well. Um, so, yes, that that is my final answer. Urban Meyer to Nebraska. Let's make it happen. It, it seems more likely anyway since Wisconsin, I mean, it's, it's almost certainly going to be Jim Leonard unless, uh, you know, maybe maybe they decide Lance Leopold. Maybe maybe they make the right decision. But uh, I have a feeling that this is a little trial run for Jim Leonard, um, which I think I forgot to copy and paste a question from the boards. That's the answer to the question. And the answer to the question for uh, which Big Ten job is going to open up uh, next this season, uh, probably none of them uh, because the buyouts are all absolutely ridiculous. Tom Allen should be next, um, or Pat Fitzgerald, I guess, but that's just never going to happen. Um, Tom Allen should be next, but his buyout is probably prohibitively expensive for Indiana football purposes, uh, especially since that there is a basketball school. So uh, they're just uh, they're just returning to tradition, um, and uh, that uh, that sucks if you're an Indiana fan. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry to uh, the the sponsor of of me to midfield uh, and our free podcast uh, uh, Homefield Apparel and and Connor. Um, we know that as a as a brand, uh, they are Indiana fans, and uh, and we're sorry that that that's uh, they're a lot in life, but we are happy that they make such tremendous shirts, including the the really uh, tremendous Wyoming collection. Uh, that I immediately dipped into uh, upon its release today, uh, because uh, yeah, uh, that that's a good horse. That's a good horse on that shirt, and also I look good in brown. So uh, yeah, great stuff. Homefieldapparel.com promo code Meet in Midfield, all caps, all one word. That gets you fifteen percent off your first order. Um, that's all I got. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for checking us out on our free week if you're uh one of the uh one of the newbies to to meet a midfield uh i hope you check us out i hope you consider subscribing that's meet a midfield.com promo code extra gets you five percent off a subscription i promise you it's going to be worth it uh both for the rest of the season and long long after i am no longer working there full time and i and i think i'll i'll still be hanging around in in some small capacity um at some point once I've uh, given myself a chance to to bounce back from all this. So um, thanks, everyone, and have a great weekend.